right around this time on um, Thursday's show that we got news of a fatal house fire in Midtown Toronto. This is in the Leslieville area. This uh, erupted in the earlier morning hours at a row house where you saw smoke billowing from the second floor. And in the you know aftermath of this, we find out, like in so many of these cases, seven people were living in what was, you know, and has been described now by police as an illegal rooming house. But one of those inside did not make it out alive, and that man is being remembered as William Katia. This uh, man was described as quite quiet, very friendly, and dedicated his life to helping people who are homeless. I mean, it's sad, if not ironic, that um, someone who spent their life trying to help those struggling to find housing and who are homeless ends up being killed in a home that was not ultimately safe for him and many, many others who are just trying to find somewhere to live and can't. I want to bring Mark Richardson into this conversation, pro bono technical lead for data visualization and analytics on housing, now to.com, which is a civic tech project. Great to have you in and in studio, Mark, so you get extra points. I, I, I love like being down here and, and talking face-to-face. Humans are nice, right? Yes. Humans are good. We'll talk a little bit about about what you do in, in that, but I do want to talk about who William Catch is. I know um, in these things they become faceless people, but while you don't know him maybe personally, here's someone who dedicated his life and I think is being mourned by a lot of people who just, uh, you know, see the loss here. So I, I don't know if I know him personally or not because I haven't seen a photograph. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. But I've been volunteering in the homelessness and affordable housing space for a long time. Uh, he, he worked for Dixon Hall. Dixon Hall used to run a lot of the Out of the Cold programs. Yeah. Uh, and I've been a volunteer at the Out of the Cold at Broadview and Danforth cooking breakfasts on Saturday mornings for 20-some years. Mm-hmm. So uh, I may have crossed paths with him, but I just, I just don't know that. But he was a neighbor of mine. I live very close to the, where the fire took place. Right. Um, and you know, it's 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 someone like that who is working for a not-for-profit, a charitable organization like Dixon Hall, providing essential services, working in shelter and support and housing for people who are at risk, who finds himself a having to live in an at-risk building themselves because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of money in those kinds of thankless jobs. Yeah. And you find that, you know, circumstances are what they are. And uh, he was killed in this fire yesterday. Yeah. And again, it's there were no working fire alarms. But rooming houses are this, uh, you know, we need them because we need places where people can live in multiple area dwellings. But we have this and because we don't have enough of them in in Toronto. And I know that they're coming around to them, but we have too many illegal ones. And when you get the illegal ones, they are not um, safe because, let's say, you don't have working alarms. Someone up top on the top of the house won't get notified that there's a fire. So, you know, the question then becomes how many more uh, Williams are out there, right? Well, there were seven people in this building alone. According to the Toronto Star, they reached the uh, owner who was listed on the property records and several other addresses in Toronto, and the owner of the building declined comment. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty sure if I'm the fire chief today, I'm pulling all of those property records and I'm going to go and knock on all those doors. But because they are illegal rooming houses, they're gray market, they're black market, right. the fire chief actually has no right to walk into that building and do an inspection the way he, he would if it was a legal registered building. Because it's the sure. same way the fire chief can't come in to your house and check that your smoke detectors are working. Yeah. So and so here we go into another why cycle we, of why like, we have yeah. to register these things and make them legal so that they can be 
you know, the fire department is able to get into those buildings and check and make sure that they're being operated safely and the public health officials are able to do the same. But when you get a guy like uh, William, yep. um, you know, looking for something affordable, which is very, very difficult, certainly in Toronto, um, you know, then you think you've got it and it's then it's not safe. You've lost your life to it. But there are so many of these things out there. And as I look to the city of Toronto, which is now openly saying, OK, we will allow them. Because for so long, as you know, down at City Hall, rooming houses are not going to be allowed, which is why we've had to deal with this gray area of illegal ones. Rooming houses have always been allowed in parts of the city parts, right. before amalgamation. Right. And we have a long history, like, you know, I think Spacing Magazine or someone like that wrote a long history of the history of rooming house fires over the years and problems over the years. Um, you know, they they used to be a kind of a downtown thing. Yeah. Now you're finding them a lot more like in Scarborough, around Scarborough uh, University campuses, because you get a lot of people who will turn a basement into a suite for sure. multiple international students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those students don't really speak English. They don't know what their rights are. Um, and they're and, scared of getting and, in and, and, and we've had a, yeah. a, a young woman, 2018, 2019, die in a basement fire in Scarborough in one of these things. So fires happen. You know, pe- buildings have fire exits for a reason. Can the number of people living there get out of the building? We need to create a, a, an appropriate quantity of safe, affordable housing for people who can only afford, you know, a thousand, eleven hundred dollars a month in rent maximum, and some people can only afford seven or eight hundred dollars in rent. Like right. William, William was employed. Yeah. Right. So there are people who are providing essential services. I don't know what he made, but let's assume he made no more than thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. Well, a, a one-bedroom apartment, brand new in Toronto right now, is twenty-three, twenty-four hundred sure. bucks a month. Yeah. But but you know, we we now are in this. But we're in so many crises now. Now we've got the housing crisis. Now we've got a cost of living crisis. There's so many crises now. And now the city's been pushed into allowing more of these. And the concern then becomes, you know, how are they going to police them? Because if, if there are so many of these illegally being run right now, once they get kind of um, blanket um, adoption and acceptance, how many more are going to be out there? And how many of them will actually be safe? Because the police will say they'll have conditions and there'll be rules and that. But they've got to be able to police this stuff. And I'm not sure they're able to police what's there now. Well, I, I think they are able to police the legal ones. I don't think we've the ever had a, illegal, yeah. I don't think we've ever had a fire in a legal registered regulated rooming house that caused a fatality. I could be wrong, or if we have, it's been decades sure. since that happened. But we have so many like situations right now, Mark. Yeah. Like we've got international students. We don't have. We have nowhere for the, how many more of these things are out there. I guarantee that this is and, one and, in a. You know, we know this one owner owns several, according to the Toronto Star. Right. But but let's go back to first principles. The first principle is why why is there that problem? The problem is there because we don't have enough available apartments in the market that rent for what an average person can afford in the city of Toronto, even with a roommate. So we have to create housing at speed and at scale in every neighborhood of the city of Toronto. But you've been doing this since I got in the business. That's a long time, Mark. Yes. You know, you, the first thing you said was, oh, I remember you. And, and the fact that we're still talking about it now means that we're, we're, we're so far behind. And that's the concern is we get all the announcements. Yeah. But we are nowhere close to getting what we need for this Correct, but we, but we are making a huge amount of progress. So okay. actually, Coxwell Avenue, where this fire took place, is a great example. You go from one end where they're rebuilding the Toronto Community Housing Buildings at Don yeah. Somerville. Uh, Prime Minister and the Finance Minister, everybody were there a, a month ago. That building is underway. It's next to the McDonald's. You can see it. TCHE mm-hmm. is getting a full replacement of their building. There's another hundred and something units of affordable. And then there's a bunch of market and condo units that help pay for that. 
Across the street next to the Harveys is a Housing Now site. Across the street from where this fire took place is a police station that's mm -hmm. supposed to be surplused for affordable housing that we worked on two yeah. years ago with the University of Toronto School so, of Cities. So would you say you're more optimistic now? Much more. Okay. I'd say the best thing that's happened in the last six months across Canada, is we, or at least in Toronto. Is that we had a crisis? <laughs> Finally no. admitted crisis. We have a brand new mayor. Mm. We have a brand new provincial housing minister, Minister Calandra. And we have a brand new federal uh, housing minister, Minister Fraser. And all of them have kind of said, we've inherited an incredibly broken system where people are in tents, people are on the streets, people are in bus shelters. We can't get nurses to work in downtown hospitals because they can't afford to live downtown. They, they are dealing with it like a crisis, and they're willing to break rules in a way that previous people in those ministerial and, and mayoral roles were not willing to break rules. You're very much more optimistic than me and much less cynical, so I will give you that. I would like to see the talk turn into action. Then, then come out, and, and I will, come out on a tour with us. We'll, I, we'll take you on a tour one, one weekend. One day I will. I, when I, I'm getting my hip replaced tomorrow. When I can walk, I will. I appreciate you coming into to studio. I do hope at least we can shame those in charge to get to work because until we see the houses built, we're not doing their job. Yeah. Everybody has to walk the talk on this. 100%. And, years and, ago. and yeah. you have to be willing to upset the neighbors. Absolutely. Politically. You, yeah. have to, like, you know, there are councillors. We spent almost three years in Willowdale fighting about the Willowdale modular site with across the street were McMansion developers yeah. building 14 McMansions that were selling for $3 million a piece. It wasn't the neighbors who were upset about this. Yeah. It was the guy trying to sell the real estate across the street. But he could work the system and upset the neighbors and upset the seniors and get some very sympathetic news coverage that made it hard for the local councillors to say, this is the right thing to do. We need to do it no matter whether the neighbors are upset about it or not. Well, we'll see how much uh, they put their action into um, actual a talk into action, and, and we'll see if we can come back and have a different kind of conversation. I appreciate you coming into studio. I'm out of time for this, uh, but we'll talk again. Anytime you want. I appreciate that. Appreciate anyone who takes the effort and comes into studio. It's nice. Uh, Mark Richardson is the name. And if you want more information, it is housingnowto.com. And again, we are going into the housing rooms in Toronto, becoming, you know, cities finally saying we, we can have them. But we have major immigration and students uh, here. We have no rooms and housing for them. The question then becomes, how many will remain illegal even when the city turns to the legal ones?